Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m. at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. Gracious and loving God, open our hearts and minds to hear afresh your word today, uh, that we might receive it, be transformed uh, by it, and go bear witness to it in the world. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I have always had hobbies. Uh, You know, some people don't. My parents never really did anything uh, other than raise us. They didn't uh, do fun stuff. They played bridge for about five years when we were real little, but they gave that up uh, as they got older. I love hobbies. Uh, When I first got out of high school, my my first hobby was uh, competitive shooting. I shot pistols and shot rifles. Uh, Then I moved on to bass fishing. That was my next hobby. Uh, From there, I came to seminary and needed something that you could do as a broke student uh, and really didn't have anything for a few years, then got into woodworking. Uh, From there, I made a brief foray into knitting. We know, many of us know how that ended up. Uh, And now I am into sewing. It started because Deb Reichenbach had an extra sewing machine and she was like, who, who can use this? And I wanted to be busy and do something, so I thought, I can make, I can make face masks. And so I watched the YouTube video on how to make a fitted face mask, and it auto-played to Gertie, teaching me how to make a cinched waist skirt for Felsha. I have done this, friends. I have already made draft one of this skirt. What I've learned through all my hobbies is uh, the ones I spent the time to learn well were fun. Uh, the ones I didn't, the ones I didn't build a foundation on weren't fun. Uh, when we shot... Uh, the first time I went out, I shot pistols. Uh, it was a Smith & Wesson double action, something or other. And I shot three or four shots and missed the target completely from like 10 feet away. Uh, it was uh, devastating to go out and do that. Fast forward four or five years later, we could sight in a rifle and at 400 yards hit it into a size of oh, a nickel. When we learned the, the foundations, it was successful. When I was bass fishing... Uh, it was like growing up. If you just threw it out there and just kind of went for it, you really didn't catch much. But if you knew, okay, I'm going to flip this one over by these roots, maybe, maybe that big lunker will be right there. You were much more successful. When I started woodworking, the first thing I built was a rolling cabinet for offerings uh, to put speakers into. And I just kind of went through my head and thought, here's, I'll, I'll build it. I'll put together some uh, outside pieces, tack on some plywood on the back. And by the time I was done, it was the most piddly thing you've ever seen. There wasn't a 90-degree angle to be found in this cabinet. I ended up having to, like, trim the edges on one part, and there was a gap on the other. Fast forward a couple years, I was able to build Felsha some picture frames with eighth-inch inlays done in them where they match up perfectly, splines on every corner. Because I learned the foundations. I learned uh, how you make sure things are true and square. I never learned the foundations of knitting. I still... Somehow I was getting a new stitch every time, and I just gave up. Many of you tried to offer to help me, uh, and I just quit. But this sewing thing is intriguing, because there are tons of foundations that are part of it. I I learned in the middle of Felsha's first dress that one of the key foundations is making sure you have enough thread on the machine. If you don't have enough thread on the bobbin, it doesn't matter what else you're doing right, it's going to fall apart. If you uh, don't have your presser foot lined up just right when you go to put in the zipper, you're going to hit it and break a needle, and it doesn't matter what else you've done. 
And even before that, if you haven't laid out your pattern perfectly and cut it just right, you're going to never get satisfying results. Every hobby I've had that I, I went to the foundations and learned them, I have enjoyed. Uh, the ones I just kind of coasted by on never brought delight. I've been reflecting on this week's text about how it's an invitation into considering our foundations, the very sources and bases of what it means to be Christians. We're uh, in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, this text where we've been told that we have a living hope because we're part of a new family. Our hope is in the resurrected Christ who is going to eventually take us to salvation, but for right now is the source of our strength as we endure. You turn to chapter 2 and there's a therefore. If you see a therefore, you ask what that's there for. Mm -hmm. That's pretty corny. But it's the truth, you ask. And it's, it's building off of everything in chapter 1. All these invitations into enduring, these invitations into hope. And therefore, put aside all this envy and malice and slander and these things that don't look like people who have a living hope. Put them aside and instead long for the milk of faith, the very foundational thing. The author of Hebrews will tell you to move on from infant food to go to advanced teaching, right? But you can't just stick with the basics. But First Peter is telling us, no, let's strip it all back to the very foundations of what, what we're about. And what we're about is that Christ is the center of all things. Stop uh, thinking Beyond that right now, people of Rome are people of the church. Christ is the very center. He's going to go on and build this analogy of Christ being the cornerstone, uh, this, uh, this part of a building that Brad talked about. Uh, we, we tend not to do stones as much now, but if you go to older churches, things like our downtown campus, uh, my wife's church, you'll find the cornerstone and they mark it. This stone was laid on X date. That's the very foundational first piece of the building that everything else derives its levelness from. If you don't have the right stone and you don't place it well, the building is never going to stand. And the author of First Peter draws on Isaiah and the Psalms and names that Christ is the cornerstone, the very foundation of everything. Christ, who is rejected by Israel is sent and honored by God as precious as the foundation of all of our hope. And if that's the case, we too are stones being built into a temple. Stones that are ourselves rejected by Rome or maybe even by society today. Rejected as uh, different or not acceptable, but yet chosen by God and honored by God. Uh, we're, we're circling all the way back to almost uh, uh, the same culture of Rome in terms of honor and shame. Uh, this society is built on the fact that uh, all you have to stand on is your honor, and if you're shamed, you're nothing. And the word to the people in Rome is honor before people doesn't matter. Honor before our Lord absolutely matters. Shame in front of people is irrelevant, but shame before God is very significant. 
And so the call is to put aside these simple things, to embrace this gospel message and to lean into it. And what does that mean? It doesn't mean to go and make yourself perfect. It doesn't mean to go fix your behaviors. It doesn't mean to go and read your Bible 16 hours today. It doesn't mean that you have to hit every prayer meeting. The author tells us what it means to embrace this spiritual milk, to be these living stones, to be the very temple of God. It means to believe. The call here is to be a people who believe. The other word, you frequently hear this word translated is to be faithful. It's not just a cognitive uh, assent to some set of principles about who Jesus is. It's a faithfulness that even though things don't seem right, that there is hope. This is uh, an ascent to the fullness of the gospel before the gospel's written down in books, that Christ comes as the end of Israel's story, that Christ is enfleshed in humanity. He lives and he dies and is resurrected, that he ascends to heaven and that he reigns, regardless of whatever is happening in the global geopolitical system, Christ is reigning at this moment. And so we are to be faithful, to stand firm in the midst of whatever is happening. For them, it's Roman persecution. For us, it's a church that has largely become irrelevant, reclaiming our relevance as the very body of Christ and recognizing that the world might think we're different. They might even shame us a bit, but yet our honor is before God. It also means trusting that God has all things in control. The church at Rome, they were worried because it seemed like God had left them. Surely this isn't God's plan. How, how can this be? And the word is, even though you don't understand it, stand firm. God will redeem things. The text makes clear that God doesn't cause their persecution but that they are to stand firm until God does fix things. I'm hearing from many of you a question about why does God cause a coronavirus, cause our uh, systems to shut down, and, and uh, we don't believe that God caused these things. I think the probably more accurate question is, what do we do while we wait to figure out what God is doing? And the answer is we stand firm knowing that our hope is in Christ who was raised from the dead that in the past people didn't get it and they saw it. They couldn't understand how he could die and then he was raised. They couldn't understand it and then they saw. And so today, even though we might not understand it, even though our prayer is for God to have mercy and move now and for things to uh, change back, and they're never changing back, for things to become whatever the new is, we're to stand firm in faith that God, through Christ, this very cornerstone, is going to be faithful. And then we remain faithful. The text talks about um, the belief or faithfulness is what honors us before God the Father. And that unbelief or unfaithfulness is the things that bring us shame. And then it ends with a quote from Hosea. This is uh, one of those small little minor prophets that if you flip the page too fast, you're going to miss it. It's the story of Hosea, Hosea uh, and his wife Gomer. 
the scandal of their marriage and these three children they have that all bear witness to the fact that Israel had rejected God. Their third child, Lo-Ami, not my people, talks about how Israel had rejected Yahweh. Ultimately, in the story, God promises that they again do become his people. And that's the hope named here that through faithfulness, through belief, we are God's people. In the midst of whatever the world throws at us, at the midst of uh, things that don't seem right by the world's standards, we are God's people. We ourselves are stones being formed into a living temple. We are the body of Christ to bear witness to God's faithfulness and love. Tom talked a few weeks ago about what it means for us to endure well, to be a faithful people whose uh, very posture is to embody love. That's how the world has changed. Therefore, set aside these other things and draw upon the spiritual milk that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Believe that God is faithful to God's promises, that God will sustain you in the midst of whatever the world is throwing at you, and that through you, God's light will shine in the world. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we, we are thankful for days where all you ask of us is faithfulness. We're thankful that you don't demand perfection and instead you give us the grace to become perfect. We're thankful that you you are the source of our hope. That you have been faithful yesterday, today, and forever. And we're thankful that even when our love failed, your love remained steadfast. That you chose to keep going with humanity even when we rebelled against your covenant. Thankful that you took on flesh in Christ. That you taught us. That you bore the weight of our sins on the cross. That you went to the grave and defeated death. That you appeared for those 40 days and that you ascended to heaven to reign. Lord, remind us today in the midst of all that is going on in this world, that you reign supreme. Lord, when we begin to uh, stray in whatever ways, call us simply back to you. That we might draw upon that spiritual milk, that we might be your body, and that the world might be transformed by your grace moving in and through us. We love you, and we praise you. In the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit, we, we pray. Amen. Amen.